this, 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 this show is brought to you by Safety FM. Welcome to Unapologetically Bold, I'm Not Sorry For. If you are a person that is tired of apologizing for being you, you know, the human part of you that sometimes feels like it has to be different at home versus work versus play, the human side that just wants to be hot, humble, open, and transparent about your wants, desires, and uniqueness. If you answered yes, this is for you. Join me, Emily Elrod, as I dive into conversations with amazing guests about what they are not sorry for in creative and loving ways. Let's get started. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another Unapologetically Bold, I'm Not Sorry For. And I'm so blessed today to have my good friend here with me, Sarah. Thanks for joining me. Thank you for inviting me, Emily. And I know you from Wellcoa, but also I know you from just mutual friends, too. And the amazing group of ladies that we all know, it's just, it is such a blessing as I talk about the sphere of influence and how much can impact you. So I'm, I'm blessed for you to come on and just get to give some of your knowledge. Cause I get, I know, I know a little bit about you. So I'm excited for the listeners to hear in. So for the people that do not know you though, um, just describe yourself or just tell a little bit about you. Sure. And, and I have to say, yes, you've had some really powerhouse women on your on the show. So thank you for inviting me into that uh, community. I'm excited to be here. So my name is Sarah Martin. I am a advocate for humanity at work. I see myself as someone who works for humanity and is trying to really let my freak flag fly when it comes to how I do that. And so what I do is uh, lead the Wellness Council of America. I am the CEO of Wellness Council of America, WALCOA, and we are a membership-based organization that works with thousands and thousands of organizations who are trying to create better experiences that make their employees happier and healthier. So personally, I am a, an extrovert. I'm a seven, if you're an Enneagram person, I'm an enthusiast. Uh, I am a manifesting generator if you are a body graph person. Uh, and um, I am a, a lover of all people and food and experiences. And I love having people into my home. So this has been a very difficult time for me. Uh, so, and I have, and I'm a dog owner. So I'm a, I'm a dog mama. And that has to be part of my identity because I'm obsessed. So. <laughs> I love it. Love it. Love it. And I think that shows just who you are. You're such an awesome person and that you're real. And that's what this whole show is about, too, is about bringing hot people that are humble, open and transparent and about bringing humanity to the forefront. And you are doing such amazing work with Wellcoa. And I think that's also, too, what I love, what you're not sorry for it, and, and you're boldly saying it. And so let's just go ahead and dive into that. What are you not apologizing for? Yeah, I'm, this sounds inflammatory, but we'll talk about it more. I am not sorry for the fact that we are living through a pandemic and I have the most extreme reverence for all of the loss of life and livelihood and purpose and career and health. So that is not at all what I'm saying. I'm, I'm, I'm very sorry for that, but I'm finding a silver lining here and uh, it's not about toxic positivity. I legitimately feel like the world's eyes are finally open to something that I've cared about for a long time. And I'm not sorry for that either. So 
I think it's so powerful too about this is the year and this time it's 2020. <laughs> it's 2020 vision. You know, everybody in the beginning of the year, this is the year for vision. Like, seriously, I think this year gave us a lot of focus and vision on what we were lacking. And so I'd love for you to go into that even more on the depths because I know your heart and some people might be le- reading this first off and just be like, <laughs> like, uh, but I know you. So I'd love for you just to dive a tad bit deeper into it on why. So just very briefly, I I grew up being terrified of work because of what it did to my family. It wrecked my father. And for those who've heard my story, I was trying to choose a career during a time that I was watching my dad's entire life and career unravel because of a toxic work environment. So because of that scapegoating, manipulative culture, just an awful environment where he was unable to live and work within his purpose. It, it really spiraled into his um, addiction and he was a, had a cocaine habit that um, led to ultimately him losing his freedom and his job and his family. And that was when someone, you know, people, I was independently wealthy. I knew I had to work. So I was like, oh my gosh, I'm terrified of what work does to people. I thought that was the option. And so knowing that I had to get a job and figure something out, I decided to study the psychology of work and do graduate research on cultures that impacted alcohol, tobacco, and other drug use, and and try to be a part of making work better for people. And so that's, that was my entree into employee wellness. So, but unfortunately for the last, you know, 10 years that I've been in this space, 10 plus, I guess now, and you can consider the graduate work, you know, my experience of the wellness space is not, has not been necessarily very pro-human. I didn't realize until I got here that the things that we cared about were, you know, healthcare dollar savings and 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 the programmatic approaches. And I I got two three years into my career managing a wellness program for a large health plan down in Tennessee, not too far from you. And I, I had to ask myself the question: Is the work that I'm doing going to solve the problem that I got into this to solve? The biometric screenings and the health risk assessments and the walking challenges and the gift cards and incentives and the setting standards for people and asking them to rise to those standards. And of course that would never have helped my dad. He was broken. He was purposeless and he worked for a place that made everyone miserable. So it was clearly something that was built into the work environment. And so I back five, six years ago started asking people to dream bigger about this stuff. But now we don't have an, we don't have, even if we could, I mean, I guess, I guess we do have the option to try to go back to before March and, and pick up where we left off, but I would strongly encourage us not to, we can't go back and, and pretend like this year didn't happen. And so what we're learning is the animal selves that we employ, I mean, an, humans are animals and there's a lot we have to do to keep them well. It's a fragile thing that we have to hold really light, lightly. And so that has to be thought about in ways we never thought about before. Also engagement. The employees who are coming back to a work environment, you know, physically coming back to a work environment that took care of them are going to be very different employees than those who felt like they weren't taken care of, that that the same uh, expectations applied, that applied when the world was very different before March. And we have a brand new value proposition for our space because I don't imagine that there's going to be a time in the near future where an employee is not going to show up for a job interview and ask the employer, what did you do 
how did you treat employees through the pandemic? It's the new question I think everyone should ask. So that's so powerful and so true too. Um, there's irony of this is that some people that I know had left a job because of the pandemic, went to another job, and I gave the advice that, hey, you're not hurting for money, so just wait. They didn't. And guess what? They're feeling the ramifications of it, wanting another job because they have to work all these hours. They're feeling undervalued, underpaid, and all these other things. But the thing is, is I love that you called it the animal side of it, because what I always give the I always say is you wouldn't throw a fish in dirty water and expect it to thrive. Right. Yet we throw people in dirty environments and say, huh, swim, be good. And guess what? If something goes wrong, it's it's the fish's fault. It's, it's your fault. And how much power this time has happened because a lot of those companies are feeling the hurt. They're feeling the turnover. They're feeling that the financial thing that they really focused on, they put their profits first and not their people. And now they're seeing their profits ache. So for people that are listening to this, and especially because we both come from that wellness space, um, what would you advise people going forward or what invitation would you give to them on continuing to think bigger instead of that? I have cows. It's the prod and poke method. Like y'all are doing no different than my cows. Like we're sending them through and then we're going to say if they're too heavy or too light. And then we're going to say, hey, you're good. See you next year. So how can we be different? Because we can. Absolutely. And I have to say the because we can, I want to make sure that that people don't lose that because it's what I'm seeing that's missing here. And I've been People who've heard me speak lately are going to be like, oh my gosh, there she goes again, is the agency is what's missing. You know, the agency to act. Mm -hmm. We know more now about the right and wrong ways of doing this because we've seen the organizations that have gotten it really wrong in a really public way. But do we now have the agency to take that and make us wise to make a better choice? And we have to, because to your question, what's at stake? And I would advise, you know, two things. One you know, think about my metric for choosing is, would this help my dad? And that's my little built-in measure. Another, if, if you don't have a story like that, that's personal. Another metric could be, would I feel proud to tell a prospective employee how we navigated this? Mm -hmm. Would I be proud? And I think if the answer is no, take the, have the agency to, to do more, do better, do differently. The other thing that I think we forget about is when we are asking employees to adhere to a wellness standard, you know, high fiber, low fat diets, 10, eight hours of sleep, you know, 10,000 steps a day, all of those things, biometric values and targets, weight and BMI targets. When we're asking them to do that, if you can, or if you're in a spot in your life where you can care about that, where that excites you, where you're trying to figure out, what has more nutrients, asparagus or broccoli, so that you can work more of that one into your diet? You are at like the Maslow hierarchy of needs, self-actualization. That means nothing else is wrong with you, right? That means that you don't hate your boss. You don't hate your job. You're not caring for an agent, aging parent. You're not caring for kids with special needs. 
You're not struggling financially. You're not having marital problems. You're not concerned about your health and safety in the public space or in your job or a mask mandate that your employer still hasn't taken the agency to mandate, which I still know these employers, they exist. In my state of Nebraska, they exist. So, you know, if you're caring about any of those things, if someone comes up to you and asks you to do one more thing, you're going to want to punch them in the face. Mm -hmm. So think about what you're asking employees to do in terms of hierarchy of needs. And remember that just like that bottom level of like shelter and survival, think about that is that could be your wellness strategy or your employee engagement strategy or your employee experience strategy for 2021 is just fixing the and removing the barriers that are keeping people from being able to thrive in their lives in general before you add things on top. And that's what we're trying to educate our members at Wilcoa on, on how to do. And that's so powerful too, because that's there's twofold of that you know what I do and it, and my listeners do it's work wise and I always say knowledge is useless because you get it and you do nothing with it knowledge and action is called wisdom and that's the thing is that agency is to do something with it we have enough thought leaders that are talking let's actually do something with it we need those action leaders with it and, and the power when you understand that this stress impacts your health more than sleep, food, mood, and movement. Like that's, it's like, it's hard to say and coming from, and you, and you probably deal with this too. And any of the wellness people, it's like the first thing employers are like, well, are you going to have us wellness challenges? Are are you going to, are you going to do biometrics? And we don't do biometrics. Sorry, y'all. But the thing is, is what I always tell is my story. And that whenever I was pregnant, I was eating, riding, I was exercising, but I about died. And the reason I about died was because of the stress and the shame that I was going through because I was a single mom mm-hmm. and I was living through that time. Do you know how many people right now are doing that? Like the power of it. And if you look at the research on top of it about how much stress impacts your body more and it doesn't allow you to actually even digest the things that you want or, or it, it jacks you up to put it right. plain and simple. And employers have the ability, there's the study that came out, or I think, I can't remember who it was, it may have been Gallup, that said that your employer has more impact on your health than your primary care doctor. Oh, yeah, absolutely. 90,000 hours of our lives that we spend at work. For North Americans, Europeans, it's 80,000. So if you ever thought about being an expat, you can add that to your pros list. But yeah, I mean, we spend more time at work than any, doing any other thing. So of course, it's it's the perfect place to address wellness in that regard, but it's also the place that it, that we have most to lose. Mm-hmm. And so here's a question too, because I'm hearing some employers still talk about how it's not their responsibility. What would you tell them, especially since the fact that we are living through this pandemic, that it is? Sure. I mean, number one is the burnout piece. You know, if if, if we don't, if, if you really can't move their hearts and minds that it's just the right thing to do, fine. You want to get the CFO to sit up straight and write a check. Here, here's a few ideas. One, so 47%, according to there's a global study by Qualtrics, 47% of employees have reported that they have been pretty much in a constant state of burnout since the pandemic started. Out of those folks, 49% of them say that their employer has done anything about it. 
And what that looks like when your employees are showing up burnt out, when half of your employees are showing up burnt out and you're not doing anything about it is anywhere from 20 to 30% of them are doing one or more of these things. They're showing up without the ability to jumpstart and start their day. They don't, they, they're showing up, they're having a hard time getting out of bed and, and being productive. They're snapping at their coworkers, customers, clients. They are, um, they're having, they're sleepy and low energy on the job. They're unable to think clearly. So if you want to remain competitive this year, next year, what have you, even in the short term, you have to address that issue. You have half of your employees who are coming in every day who don't have the basic resilience to function. So mm-hmm. that seems like an employer issue to me. The second piece is there will be a time again when we can choose, to your point about your friend, where we really can choose in a stronger economy who we work for. And this is, you know, four generations ago was the generation that lived through the Great Depression and and World War II. And they saw every single system around them crumble and have to be rebuilt in a different way. And it changed our values. And that really strong, innovative generation um, banded together, had the civic engagement and the agency to write a different future for themselves. And that's going to happen again. Millennials are going to be that generation that do that again, because we're the ones who are making up the majority of the workforce right now. And we already wanted a better workplace. And now we had a taste of what it could look like to have more flexible hours, to have more considerations for our health and well-being. And also we've seen organizations who have taken that had the agency to make great decisions to protect their employees' health and safety. And if we are not a part of one of those organizations and we have a choice, we are going to work somewhere else. So Mm -hmm. unless you want an entire organization of employees who don't have a choice, they have to work for you because they don't have another option because they're for whatever reason, I, I think we have to we have to address that. That to me is the market demand that is the talent pool is going to make that CFO write a check. That's so powerful because the thing, the two things that you really talked about is I know that stress shuts off the learning centers of the brain. That kills the words that everybody talks about, innovation, collaboration, engagement. You always hear those. You're, if you're not addressing that stress, if you're not turning that stress into a strategy, like you literally are, like you said, you're having people that are there because they, they have to be there maybe for your benefits, or it might be because that's where they think they need to stay. And that's nothing wrong. I don't want to say that these these people are bad. And I know that you, you wouldn't either, but if you want to tap into that different potential, and here's the cool thing though. Those people actually have, like I always say, be the genius with 10,000 geniuses. They've been doing these jobs forever, but you've turned them into robots. So they don't want to use that energy to think. They don't want to use that energy to do anything else. They're doing their job. They're getting their paycheck. They're going home. Right. Right. And if you asked anyone, the leader of any organization, do you want innovative, thriving, flourishing employees to keep you competitive in the marketplace? They're going to say, yes, of course. But then are they are they taking the steps they need to ensure that that's what they have? And that's the massive gap. That's so true. And that's so powerful. And again, that's the reason why I I'm with you. I am so with you that I'm not sorry that we are living through a pandemic because it brings humanity to life. 
it brings the power of not only safety, but wellness It's breaking down silos and it's making people care who humans are at home, work and play, because now it is truly brought all together. It is truly integrated, which makes my heart happy. So for any advice that you hear um, that you could give to people that are apologizing for this, mm-hmm. they keep saying like, I, I, I'm sorry, but I don't want anybody to know, especially my employer. Like, what would you say to them? Hmm. Well, in the general sense, apologizing for anything. I One of the things that I have written in my one of my journals that I review when I'm having my morning meditation ritual is is lean into and don't be afraid of your quirky traits because it is what's beautiful about the world and what's powerful about the world is the diversity of perspective. And so if you're denying the world your unique quirky whatever opinion that you have, you are not contributing to the world song in the way that and it, and it, it will be it will go missing in some small way. And it mm-hmm. and, and so you are designed to be here whatever you believe about the world you, you were here for this moment and you, your experiences got you here and listening to that little voice inside of you. That's like, oof, mm-hmm. I don't feel right about this or oof. I feel very right about this. It is almost your compulsion as a human to show up with that and contribute it. Mm-hmm. So that's one of the things that I, I really, um, I, and it's not easy for me always to remember because it sounds like I'm more confident than I am. I have to recite it like a mantra, but Mm -hmm. that is one of the bits of advice I give to myself. You know, if if someone's in a position to, as a leader, even a decision influencer in their workplace, the specific advice, you know, is is kind of what I already shared is, is if you're feeling those seeds of change and, and it's exciting you and you're feeling like, actually, I like, I like what's happening in our organization because of this pandemic. Here's the five things I like. Then ask some really curious questions of your leaders. You know, wouldn't it be cool if we blank in the future? You know, what would it look like to reshape this? You know, start, ride the wave of the change and start putting some scaffolding around it and build it in. Mm, Wouldn't it be cool if is probably one of my favorite prompts to do because it turns you back into a child Hmm. and that childlike imagination without boxing yourself in and just open thinking to see what could come. It's so powerful. And I think that again is needed now more than ever. And that also with action because, and you know, this too, like you're going to face adversity even in this change, even though with all the momentum that's coming with it, you're still going to have these hard stops yep. and it may, nothing comes in instantaneously. Even with this pandemic, a lot of these things have not, it probably was, if it is instantaneous, my guess is that you already had a culture that you can make those quick decisions that humans were already put in a priority position. But if not, just know this could take two, three, four, even five years, but it, it is worth it if it affects the next generation, in my opinion. So. Absolutely. I could not agree more, Emily. And I think that, you know, going forward, we can't, to your point, exactly be afraid to be wrong. I think we just need to move forward. The most powerful, strong, inspirational leaders that I've watched in organizations 
through this have been wrong multiple times Mm -hmm. or been honest about not knowing what to do. Mm -hmm. And then asking for help, trying things, monitoring things and adjusting. And, and I think we have to be comfortable with some of that. I think that um, Dr. David Batman is on the, I love his name. Yes. Batman. He is on the Virgin Pulse. Who's one of Wilco's premier providers. And obviously, you know, who Virgin Pulse is, um, he's on their advisory panel. He's a, um, uh, anyway, he said last week on an event that we had, you know, in terms of, of what we need next when, and I think people thought he was going to be very clinical in his answer. He just said, we need a raft of empathetic leaders. <laughs> yeah. It's like, Yep. That's the new power. Mm-hmm. It's not how smart and right we can be Mm-mm. anymore. It, that's, that's so that's true. It's taken, it's taken down that pride and setting it aside and doing it with humanity in, in mind. So thank you so much for this amazing conversation. I'm so blessed from it. And so for the listeners that are hearing you talk, how can they find you or learn more about Wellcoa or or just what, what are y'all doing? Yeah, thanks for asking. So they can always email me at smartin, so S-M-A-R-T-I-N at wellcoa, W-E-L-C-O-A dot org. You can find me on LinkedIn, Sarah Martin. And then if you ever want to see what's going on at Wellcoa, go to wellcoa.org, click on the events drop down, and you can see what's fresh and new and happening. Um, and, and please, we have so much that's free to the public because we're a nonprofit. So come join the community. Love it. Thank you so much. And y'all definitely go check out Wellcoa. I know I have a lot of people in the safety space. I am ready for wellness and safety to come together and be best friends and quit siloing. So for people mm-hmm. that are hearing this specifically, if you're in safety or leadership or org development, let's go over to it. So thank Absolutely. you all for listening in and I hope you have an amazing and blessed day. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of Unapologetically Bold. I'm not sorry for. If this touched you in any way, please like and subscribe and share with your friends as we continue the message of being unapologetically bold by being hot humans who are humble, open, and transparent. See you next time.